Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Your host, Josh, here. I'm going to be breaking down Messi, getting back to the World Cup final, Argentina, just one, books bear, spot bear, all going to react to that. Patriots, Cardinals, Monday night, was right on that prediction. Patriots got the dub, Kyler Murray, torn ACL, look ahead for both those teams there. But on the other side of the injury news, good news for Debo Samuel and a possible regular season return. Then I'm going to break down my top 10 teams in the NFL. Let's get into it. Let's start Patriots-Cardinals Monday Night Football last night in what was the third offensive play of the game. Kyler Murray scrambles up the field, goes down, non-contact, tears his ACL right there. Uh, tough to watch, tough to see. You know, a non-contact injury like that. He was grabbing at his knee. The card came out, and when it's a non-contact, uh, it's generally been an ACL as of recently. So that was kind of the guess. It was confirmed later, but it was a torn ACL. And just really tough, really tough for the Arizona Cardinals uh, to lose not only that game, but to lose uh, Kyler Murray as well, just because of how long, you know, ACLs take to heal. You know, uh, talked about this briefly on my podcast last week. Yeah, Chris Godwin, you know, tore his ACL in November of last year. You know, even though he started at the beginning of the year in September, didn't look right. And then finally last month, felt like he was finally back to his Chris Godwin self. Uh, and, you know, that was a full year right there. Uh, Odell Beckham tore his ACL in February. Still hasn't come back from it yet. Jamison Williams tore his ACL in the National Championship game in January. December is finally back to Jamison Williams. So 11 months there. So it's a long time. Uh, I know they say 9 to 12 months. For these injuries, a quarterback who runs, uses his legs, you want to be extra careful, use precaution. So I do think it's going to be an 11, 12-month thing where we won't see Kyler Murray till late into next year. The Cardinals are not going to start the season off with Kyler Murray. So now there's abundance of questions. I always thought that Kyler Murray was, you know, dealt with injuries, was a bit injury-prone. The past few years, last year, dealt with injury, missed a few games the year before, uh, missed the end of a regular season. Even this year, had a stint with injuries as well. So I just feel like he is injury prone. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about his contract or, you know, harp down on the man while he already is down. Uh, but it's tough for, you know, Kyler Murray, again, who I think is injury prone to, to suffer this injury. So I hope he recovers. Uh, has a full recovery, I think he will, and he'll be back to uh, doing Kyler Murray things. But the bigger outlook here is for the Arizona Cardinals. Four and nine, the loss last night essentially put the put the cross into their season, the stake in it. Uh, their season is over. It shot, and now you got a question because it was like if Kyler Murray finishes the end of the year, you know, they still lose in that fashion like they did yesterday and only finish with you know four or five wins. Do they fire Cliff Kingsbury? Now it's, do we fire him? Because if Kyler Murray is going to be out for next year, do we bring a guy in for one year when we could be trash, 
you know, for one year with the guy. And so that kind of reevaluates this situation for the Arizona Cardinals and, you know, how they approach the draft now, the falling season, since they're going to have a high draft pick this year. Could they have a high draft pick the following year as well if a lot of the things, same things, players stay pat with the Arizona Cardinals. So it really is interesting uh, the time frame that they are where they could get a high pick, get a C.J. Stroud, uh, be terrible next year, get a Caleb Williams-type player. So it, it's a very interesting offseason, I expect, for the Arizona Cardinals with this injury. I don't know if he'll make a ton of move, uh, moves now, make a ton of movement on either side of the football. Uh, in a, just a really tough night for the Cardinals all around, uh, losing Kyler Murray and uh, losing this game as well. But on the flip side, the winners, the New England Patriots, won 27-13 in what was truly a dominating uh, defensive effort that took over in the second half. Uh, first half there, 13-10 Arizona going into halftime. A close ball game, even with Colt McCoy playing in the second half, who's had experience coming in uh, to the game already this season. So second half, you know, could this be back and forth? Will it be low-scoring defensive field goal game? And the defense for New England just put on an absolute clinic, just teed off on Colt McCoy in the second half, racked up six sacks. DeAndre Hopkins, careless with the football, put it on the ground. They had a fumble return for a touchdown. A cup, a decent drive for New England resulted in the touchdown to put them up 27-13. So to end the game, New England uh, put up 17 unanswered points to win it. Arizona didn't score all in the second half. Josh Uche was great in the pass rush. Uh, three sacks, got half the total there on Colt McCoy. Just overpowered the Arizona Cardinals. And they, to me, very great. Defensive team, you know, they have their game every now and then in the season where they don't look great uh, defensively. You know, when uh, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings sort of picked him apart and Justin Fields kind of ran all over him. But for the most part, you know, Patriots have been pretty sound defensively. And Mac Jones shows flashes. Last year, to me, he flashed. Uh, he was great in a system that benefited him. Josh McDaniels knew how to coach him. It was it was beneficial uh, to Mac Jones. He won Rookie of the Year. Uh, his rookie stats last year for quarterbacks, you know, was number one in passing, uh, yards, touchdowns. Led them to a ten and seven record, a playoff appearance. Looked good. Looked like this team could hey bridge the gap between Brady and the next guy. And then they sort of regressed this year. Mac Jones is a sophomore slump, but to me, it's always been on the offensive coordinators. It's been on Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Joe Judge, who is an elite special teams coach who's never coached offense before and looks terrible doing it, and Matt Patricia, who's a good defensive coordinator but is now calling plays, calling the offense, looks terrible doing it. So the system is not fit for Mac Jones, and Bill Belichick is involved. He said, hey, we're too late in the season to make any changes, and I get that because, hey, there's – there's five games left to play before yesterday, and now there's only four left to play. So, you know, it's not going to have any real lasting changes for this season. But I think they need to find a real offensive coordinator. Because Mac Jones looked to be a very good quarterback last year, a very competent 
no matter how you square it up, alternate it, you as a pro bowler last year. Now this year, he's regressed, and, you know, he showed flashes in this game that he can play good. But when you're watching the game, they show most stats. It's, you know, Patriots have thrown the most short routes, the most passes behind the line of scrimmage, most, you know, one to ten yard routes. And I don't know why, because Mac Jones, to me, has a good arm. He flashed it last year, looked great. And then this year, it's a different story. Mac Jones has voiced his frustrations last week publicly on the sideline, got captured yesterday as well, uh, got a little heated. So Mac Jones wants to air it out more, take more shots down the field. He's shown he can hit a few shots. Did last night to Hunter Henry again. Showed those flashes. To me, I'm not you know right enough, Mac Jones, because I think and with a good offensive coordinator, a good system, he can be a very good quarterback uh, in this league. Not saying he's as an elite you know quarterback, not up there with the young guns, Patrick Mahomes and Allen and Burrow or Herbert. But Mac Jones, to me, can be a tier below those guys, win playoff games, and get a team to the Super Bowl. I believe Mac Jones has that capability, that potential. But it's definitely not being tapped into here in New England. It's just not. Uh, I thought the pick for Mac Jones, again, was great. I think his defense is good. Uh, He has decent weapons around him, not great weapons, uh, but... Hunter Henry, I think, is, is you know, a decent enough tight end. Jacoby Myers was out last night, but is good. Nelson Aguilar and all those guys can play. Uh, and they have a difficult stretch of the season. Raiders are not a pushover uh, at times in the second half they are. Then they play the Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, uh, two of those at home. So tough stretch to end the season. It's going to be interesting to see if, hey, Patriots right now are in the playoffs, have the seventh seed. It's can they maintain this playoff spot? You know, can they not? Big question there. Uh, again, Mac Jones is going to be critical uh, to the Patriots' success, even with the terrible play calling and offensive coaches around him. Next, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, MRI, everything checked out good for the most part. Just a MCL ankle sprain, so the hit that he took, getting carted off, holding the knee, I thought it was much worse than it was, but just those two sprains right there, Shanahan said, hey, possible regular season return 17 and 18. I say no. No, Kyle Shanahan. Don't do it. Don't bring Debo Samuel back till week 17 or 18 because it's, it's meaningless. Uh, you can win games without Debo Samuel. It's happened so far this year. You beat the Seahawks on Thursday night without Debo Samuel, and you clinch the division. To me, you don't need to risk him, you know, coming back for a meaningless game because your next two games are your toughest games, the divisional opponent against the Seahawks in a in a fierce Washington Commanders team who's been pretty good as of late. And then you face the Raiders and the the Cardinals. So week 18 against the Cardinals, why would I bring Debo back for that? Risk him getting injured in a meaningless game. So if you win this week, you clinch the division, and your ceiling set at the third seed because you beat Tampa Bay and none of the other NFC South opponents who you've beat so far for Saints this year are coming back 
behind you. So it's the third seed. Philadelphia, to me, is pretty much clenched at the one seed right now. Uh, I know the game with Dallas is more meaningful, but San Francisco, uh, barring a Philadelphia collapse and a San Francisco win out, there's no way. So don't need Debo Samuel back for that. It's interesting, you know, you could still get the two uh, with Minnesota, you know, sort of right there ahead of you one game. However, they have the strength of schedule, strength of victory over you. If they were to tie, uh, if you probably, if Minnesota lose, you would have the conference. So uh, opponent stronger. So you have that to consider. But if the Vikings win their next couple of games, clinch their division. Uh, next two games at home are easy games, Colts and Giants uh, there for you. So, again, nothing too strong on that front. So, Fon Kyle Shanahan on the Niners. I'm keeping Debo Samuel out. Don't need him right now. You just don't. Uh, don't risk him getting hurt. You know, seems like 49ers players are fragile. The quarterbacks, if you're at the third string, he got... No bleak injury, and Debo's hurt, and Christian McCaffrey's had injury problems in the past. So is George Kittle. So bring players back when they're fully healthy. I'd rather have Debo Samuel 100% for the first round of the playoffs than it 75% in a meaningless game against the Cardinals, in which I could risk him getting re-injured him, and he's out for the rest of the year. Because the more weapons you have around Brock Purdy come playoff time, just the better it's going to be, the better it's going to be for your team. So, but good news on that front uh, for good news for him, Debo, and for uh, the 49ers. But now time to get to my top 10 teams in the NFL. And I think I found team number 10 after this week after last night watching. Uh, and I felt, you know, and again, it was still tough. Wanted to put a team in there, but I thought, hey, no, I'm not going to do it. Number 10. The Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, the Los Angeles Chargers to me are number 10. Bunch of teams there at 7 and 6, 6 and 7. Chargers to me have the best one. They got the best quarterback, Justin Herbert, who I think is a top four quarterback. He is second in passing yards. He's played great without the weapons of Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, for most of the season. Uh, the defense leaves a lot to be desired, but then again, that side has dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, basically all backups aside from Khalil Mack and Asante Samuel. If the offense can stay healthy, defense can get those pieces back. The Chargers are a team I don't think anyone wants to play in the playoffs. If the Chargers, uh, especially the Chiefs, uh, you know, Chargers play the Chiefs just great with Patrick Mahomes. They always come down to the wire. So if you have that 2-7 matchup, that's a dangerous game for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, right there. That would be a huge game. Justin Herbert and those weapons going up against him. Uh, again, if this team is healthy, I don't think a lot of teams want to see the Los Angeles Chargers. Again, the biggest question mark is there the Chargers and the head coach of Brandon Staley is not a coach that I like uh, in the NFL. Number nine, the Baltimore Ravens. To me, you get bonus points not just for winning games, but winning games without your backup quarterback, and without the backup being injured. And that's what Baltimore did with the third string. Beat a division rival 
In the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin has historically got the better of John Harbaugh. But what he did, you know, playing a third string against the backup for Pittsburgh, you know, Baltimore was just great. To me, it was kind of like a must-win to stay pace with the Bengals. Baltimore clinging on to the division lead with that win has just been great. The defense has improved immensely since the beginning of the season where they blew leads to the Dolphins and the Bills and constantly getting torched. Defense is a lot better now and has improved to match the offense. Now if Lamar Jackson can come back healthy, again, another dangerous team in the AFC. Number eight, the Miami Dolphins. Yep, drop the Miami Dolphins down as top. They've lost two in a row, but they're still eight and five. Uh, I don't think the last two games are an indictment on Tua. Uh, you know, dealing with a minor ankle injury. Jalen Waddle seems to be banged up. Tyreek Hill, ankle injury. So they're a little banged up defense as well. Down a lot of key starters, so not just going to throw this all on Tua, but the Dolphins have to be better. I think Mike McDaniel is just a offensive genius. I think the Miami Dolphins will get back on track. Might not be this weekend. Very tough opponent in the um, Buffalo Bills. But if they can play close like they did the first time, maybe there's a chance to swing this game in your favor, depending on the health of your two-star wide receivers. Uh, But Miami, whose offense has just been amazing this year, I can't bump them you know, down for losing to who I think is a very good Chargers team uh, this past weekend. Just can't. Number seven, the Minnesota Vikings. I can move them down. They suffered their third loss of the season. And with that loss, can you believe it? They're one of the few teams with a winning record that has a minus point differential. And to me, that always speaks volumes to your team because it speaks to how you're winning games. Uh, Minnesota is 10-3, and three, and the point differential is minus one is just ugly. Why? Because the team, they just beat them by Detroit, who's 6-7, and seven, minus two. Washington, who's 7-5-1, and one, minus three. To me, Minnesota is more comparable with those teams right there. Uh, more of this bottom uh, of my top ten than they are my one through six. To me, there's a clear separation in the one through six category than the seven to ten category. So to me, the line is drawn after the Vikings. Uh, A lot of close wins weren't able to come back and beat the Detroit Lions. Now they're 10 and three. I'll still give them respect. Uh, But to me, you know, I'm glad they can come back and play in one score games. Uh, But they're not a dominant team. It's either they'll beat you close or they'll lose. Uh, regardless of the fashion, whether they lose close, like it is sort of to the Lions, or a dominant fashion like the Vikings did, or the Cowboys did to them. So, jury's still out on Minnesota. I'm still not sold on Minnesota. I think they are pretenders. And again, that point was proven to me last night. Number six, Dallas Cowboys, a team I also think are a pretender, and I think Ron Gordon did best. Yes. You can say, Josh, well, it's a 131-point differential. It's the third highest in the NFL. They've won four in a row. Yes, but that Texans game was sloppy. And it's not like that game is a hiccup on the Cowboys season. 
It's what we see a lot from the Cowboys. I'm sorry. It's just what we see a lot from the Cowboys. It's, you know, the Buccaneers who, to me, are old. They're terrible. Uh, it's hard watching, even though I will be watching Tom Brady play the Cardinals in a few weeks. It's not enjoyable. That same Bucks team beat Dallas in Dallas. Uh, and that's just hard to imagine at this point in time. Uh, the Eagles, you know, beat Dallas handily. Uh, the Packers, who are, again, terrible, worse than the Bucks, beat Dallas. And Dallas has had close games, like the Texans game this past weekend. Uh, the Giants game on Thanksgiving was close, so they've had close games. It's not been high blowouts, but they, you know, ride high, they ride high, and they showboat and are in the, you know, kettle there, you know, the Salvation Army kettle and everything in Jerry World, the Dallas Cowboy Stadium. But I'm still not convinced. Not convinced Micah Parsons has been disappearing. Lately, Dak Prescott throwing interceptions, not clean, still not sold on Mike McCarthy. Still don't think they make the AFC Championship game this year. And to me, it's it's not like a disappointment, like, oh, I can't believe it. It's, it's the Dallas Cowboys. I've been alive, and I've never seen them make an AFC Championship game. So there you have it. Number five, the San Francisco 49ers. Again, they have the longest winning streak in all of football. It's six in a row. It is Kyle Shanahan's longest winning streak. And can you believe it? With Brock Purdy, too. A plus 120-point differential. Best defense in football, I think, by a wide margin. Talent all up and down this roster. Regardless of quarterback, they call the same plays, they play the same style, and they win the same amount of games. It just happens. It happens when they're the San Francisco 49ers. They're great. Nick Bosa, Defensive Player of the Year to me. Uh, offense, Christian McCaffrey uh, has been good. They've been weathering the injury storm. The Debo Samuel has been you know, hit and miss this season. San Francisco is a legitimate team, and I think, you know, I think can still represent the NFC in the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. To me, they are the most dangerous team in the NFL. Number four, the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs, 10-3. and three, uh, Ugly win against the Broncos. You know, you can say that's an ugly lot. Well, we can say that was an ugly, ugly win. Uh, Patrick Mahomes looked terrible, kept the Broncos in the game, uh, which was a one-score game, and just was, you know, a head-scratcher for Kansas City. One, they could, lose, could have lost like they did earlier in the season against the Colts. I'm glad they found a way to still win because the defense for Kansas City was actually good when the Broncos had to drive the length of the field, not when Patrick Mahomes was giving them the short field. But nonetheless, 10-3, and three, still in striking distance of the one seed, which is ever more important with just one team getting the first round by. Uh, again, get the win uh, there, 10-0 against Denver. Patrick Mahomes is in his career. Congratulations to him on owning the Denver Broncos. Number three, the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, they are number three. They are a great team. They are a team who has just beat the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. Uh, They have the second longest winning streak in the NFL with five wins in a row. They're playing some of their best ball. Jamar Chase out of the lineup. They still win. 
Joe Mixon out of the lineup. They win. Now Tyler T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd missing time. They still win. I mean, this is a good team. Joe Burrow, elite of the elite right there, leading the charge. Jamar Chase, to me, the best quarterback-wide receiver duo in the NFL. No question about it. They're playing great. The loss to Trey Hendrickson on defense I think will hurt because he is a stud on the defensive end, defensive side of the ball. So we'll see how they weather that storm. Face the Bucks this week. This could be the first time I pick against the Bucks the whole season. Can you believe it? Bengals are really good. They're for real. AFC Championship appearance, there might well be in the works with them. And still have a shot at a one seed. Number two, the Buffalo Bills. Second best point differential, plus 132. They've won four in a row. They're 10-3. and three. They're great. You know what's funny? I hear people and read on what people say about the Bills, and it's I offensively, I don't think they're as good, you know, as they were last year. They struggle offensively. Well, they're just winning differently. Uh, again, the Jets game was an ugly game filled with rain. Uh, but what they shown with the Patriots the week before, as well, you know, the Browns, they're running the football. They're running it well, I think, after the loss to the Vikings, in which they required Josh Allen to be Superman. They said, let's run the football. It's worked ever since that loss, four straight wins. And to me, wins don't have to be pretty. I know you said, but Josh, Minnesota Vikings, what about that? Well, the Bills were only winning because of Josh Allen. If he was great, all on him. If it was, you know, made a couple of bad interceptions, the loss was all on him. Well, now they're finding different ways to win. So is a 14-point win as impressive and as sexy as a, you know, 21-point win, a 40-point win like they were early in the season because Josh Allen was just going ham like he was against the Steelers and the Titans and the Rams? No. But I'm very impressed by what the Bills are doing. And if the Bills continue this formula, if the defense can step up with Von Miller being injured, watch out. This is still a very... Very dangerous team, and they're a reason why they are the one seed in the NFL. Or one seed in the AFC, my bad. The one seed in the whole NFL, the number one team. That belongs to the Philadelphia Eagles. 12-1. and one. Best point differential, 138. Four wins in a row. And they're the only team that has booked a clinched a playoff spot. Only one who's booked that date so far. Uh, and again, they are a very... Good team, sound on both sides of the football. Jalen Hurts is the front runner for the MVP, who has been playing fantastic. Uh, have to give him his flowers. Didn't know if this was in him, but this year has been magical for Jalen Hurts. A.J. Brown has unlocked another gear. Him and Devontae Smith, uh, even with Dallas Goddard out, they'll be more dangerous when he comes back. Best offensive line in football. Sound defense. And good special teams. I mean, Philadelphia is the total package right now. To me, the most complete team, you know, say San Francisco could, is the most dangerous team. When they get it going, I don't think anyone can stop them. Uh, Dallas has spurts. Uh, Buffalo's got Josh Allen. Kansas City's got Patrick Mahomes. Cincinnati's got Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. But Philly is the most complete whole team, most dominant team. We'll see if that resonates in the playoffs when the games get tighter. The pressure is on you. We'll see. But right now, as it stands, 
13 games in the season, 14 weeks in, three quarters of the way done. All playoff or all buys are now over with. Final four stretch going into the last quarter of the NFL season. The Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the NFL. Now, last thing I want to touch on is the World Cup. Just watched Argentina pull off a master class. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was telling my brother uh, before he left this morning. I said, hey, you know, gave him a messy jersey. Donned it on him to wear because I watched it from home. And they look great. I said to him, wouldn't it be nice if it, you know, Argentina wins 3-0? We're up 3-0 at half. Well, I was close. The end was 3-0 Croatia. It was 2-0 at half. But it was just comfortable for Argentina and Croatia. They looked great. They looked dominant, you know, ever since they got that opening penalty kick, really. To me, the first 10, 15 minutes went to Croatia. Even Argentina really put it on, was attacking Lionel Messi. Beautiful penalty kick uh, in the 34th minute. Uh, to give them the lead. And then five minutes later, Julian Alvarez, just great effort, tremendous effort on that goal, and then also as well in his second goal as well in the second half. I mean, the pressure, it's funny, because Croatia dominated the possession. Uh, a lot of that due early in the first half as well, uh, but didn't generate a ton of scoring chances, uh, whereas Argentina, they made their shots count. Uh, they picked their spots. They scored. Uh, again, Lionel Messi, great. Alvarez, great. I mean, DePaul, McAllister, uh, Romero, Molina. I mean, all those guys were great. And they booked their spot to the World Cup final. And what was their Argentina's best uh, win in this World Cup, considering uh, the stage, the semifinal, uh, the pressure on them? And the opponent, Croatia, who I thought was no slouch, who I thought would beat Brazil and set up this World Cup semifinal matchup with Argentina, uh, who just grind you. And Argentina proved they are the class. There's a reason, uh, you know, Brazil has had a tough time. You know, the last, you know, four out of five World Cups, they have uh, been ousted by a uh, European opponent. You know, they can dominate South Africa, uh, South America, win the Copa Americas, but they have a tough time in the World Cup facing European teams. They do. And to me, European teams are generally better. They win the World Cups. Uh, they had the unbeaten streaks in Italy. But Argentina's the loner. They had the 36-37 game unbeaten streak. They beat uh, Italy in that Super Cup. I don't want to butcher the name of it, but it was, you know, the team who won the Euros in Italy, the team who won the Copa America in Argentina. Argentina won it. Uh, they've beaten their European uh, teams in the World Cup, the Netherlands, uh, and now Croatia. Again, nothing against Croatia. I think Luka Modric, one of the best uh, soccer players of all time, one of the best midfielders, is excellent, spectacular. And Argentina put on a master class, a full display of their arsenal, then their best, most dominant win. Great to see. They punch their spot to the final. One spot left. Other semifinal game is tomorrow. France and Morocco. I'm picking France to win. 
I love for Morocco to win. I think, you know, today we saw the crowd on Argentina's side. I think Morocco, the support of Qatar and, you know, the surrounding nations, it's on Morocco. I think France is a better team, led by Mbappe and Giroud and Antoine Griezmann. Uh, but they have holes in their defense. I just don't know if Morocco, I think Youssef, their captain, is injured. He's not playing. All of that factors in there. Uh, you know, France could escape with a win. But Argentina, to me, still looks like the best team. But that France-Morocco game is going to be great, satisfying to watch. In the end, I got France. But I'd love to see a Morocco upset tomorrow. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody.